It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Production, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tamano. Uh, good evening and welcome back to Streetwise. Before I introduce uh, my guest, he's got three different names, you know, so... Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm going to give his name first. His real name is Stephen Capizzoli. And uh, for a retired police lieutenant, he's got what they call AKA, also known as. Why does he have that? But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, I want to just touch on some of the things that uh, we've been talking about on television, on the year, and in the newspapers. Uh, first of all, I want to send my wishes to Arizona State Senator John McCain, uh, he had to discontinue his medical treatment. You know, he had an aggressive brain cancer. Uh, you know who he is, uh, uh, a war hero who was a captive. And my guest was in Vietnam, and so he can understand. Uh, I wasn't in Vietnam. I was involved in the one before him, but I didn't see any action. Uh, but I got close. Anyway, so I hope John McCain, I, I don't know if they discontinued his uh his treatment, so that's not a, that's not uh, a good sign. But you know, he's 82 years old, and for someone that went through uh, and as a prisoner of war, and uh, and he's hanging around now with with brain cancer, which is usually terminal. And uh, we wish him well. Three decades in uh, in Congress. Uh, you know, I had a tough time last night. I had it in, uh, Friday night. They had the pregame, New York Jets and the New York Giants. You know, I, I, I just, uh, I couldn't watch it. I have to tell you that, you know. Uh, and I'm going to miss it. I'm boycotting the games, you know. You know, if these millionaire ball players, uh, I disrespect our country, our flag, you know, they, it's disrespectful to America. But there's no problem taking American money. And I hate, you know, it's a great game. It's an all-American game. You, you know, uh, my, my understanding is they, they have more viewers than baseball. So I hope baseball goes into October, which it probably will, you know, with the World Series. So we'll, uh, we'll have to watch that. And, again, imagine that I, you can't watch the Jets and the Giants, at least me, watching those games because I, I just, you know, I had to boycott that. You know, just, uh, again, I don't, I don't have to go into detail. We know. The disregarding the Pledge of Allegiance, and uh, it doesn't make sense. They're, they're confused. Uh, they're confused with the issues, and uh, whatever whatever they're doing, they're pretty much uh, misguided. You know something? I talked about this last time. Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, our president, build the damn wall, please. Please build the wall. Young girl from Iowa jogging by herself. Which I talk about that also. You know, you girls out there, you're jogging around, uh, you're in Wonderland, you got your headphones on, you don't look to your left, you don't look to your right, you don't know what the heck is going on. And, uh, and look, I, I don't want to blame her this uh, the result of a tragic ending, but I, I don't know. You just, I see it, you know, once, uh, I think about 10 years ago, I'm heading toward the Jones Beach area on the Meadowbrook Parkway. And the young girl jogging on the side of the road off the, off the uh, Meadowbrook Parkway. 
and some guys out in the bushes there. She's by herself. Nobody running in front of her. Nobody. She's got the headphones on, and I pull up to the side. She got. I'm ringing my horn and ringing my horn because I saw this guy was going to grab her. I scared him. I didn't, you know, I scared him. He ran, and I scared her. And I'm saying, what? She'll probably make a call. Some guy pulled up in the car. She'll take my plate. And, you know, she didn't see. She never saw this guy lurking in the bushes with the Meadowbrook Parkway. Ladies, girls, wherever you are, you cannot do that. Say you're out there 5 in the morning. I see you sometimes you're out there late at night, 5 in the morning. But anyway, Molly Tibbet was jogging when she was uh, grabbed by an illegal undocumented immigrant. Now, Trump's been talking about that, you know. Forty percent of our federal prisons consist of illegal immigrants or aliens. And here we go again, you know. It's just it's just mind-boggling. And you got the Democratic Party that don't give a damn, you know. It's, it's just amazing. So, uh, again, another young lady or young person is murdered by an illegal alien. I know people say, yeah, uh, American citizens get murdered. In the, in, in the, obviously, and we know that. And my guest knows it, too. He was a supervisor in the police department. Yeah, everyone gets murdered, but let's minimize it. The reason is that we're, we're bringing in people that we cannot vet. We don't know who the hell they are, you know. Oh, they have no record. How do we know they have no record? I got these liberal Democrats. Oh, they, they have no record. How do you know they have no record? They got three, three different, four different, five different names. Although my guest has three different names. So, and uh, but we don't know who the heck they are coming into this country. We got. Uh, I'm telling you, it's just that. And like I said about these school shootings, I said it uh, three school shootings ago, you know. And I said it's going to happen again. And I, you know, I, I wish I was wrong, but it happened again and again. Arm the school teachers. We have to arm them. We've got to, we've got to protect the, our kids and our grandkids. We've got to, you know, obviously, like some people say, well, you can't give the teacher a gun. What's nobody carrying a gun? What's, nobody, what's a cop nobody carrying a gun until he becomes a cop? You get the training, you know. We're not going to just give, give every faculty member a gun. And, and, you know, and again, it's only being, it's going to be hopefully given to the ones that want to carry it. Now, there's a big controversy that Donald Trump, our president, approved, I can't believe this, but he did, $1 billion toward school security, emphasizing on arming our school teachers. Why not? You know, I mean, it's, uh, I did a show on it uh, a couple of months ago. The mother got mad at me because she's ultra-liberal, you know, uh, and when I said to her, if you want to sacrifice your 17-year-old daughter, who I was interviewing here with some other kids from the local high school, if you want to sacrifice her, you do that. I don't want to sacrifice my kids and my grandkids. And then she got pissed on the air, and I had to move on. But uh, anyway, uh, it's just uh, mind-boggling how these, what, uh, in regard to, uh, you know, we, we uh, again, I don't want to be repetitious, but I am. Uh, thank God it hasn't happened, but it, it can, and I gotta believe it'll happen again because there's a lot of crazies out there. I gotta compliment, speaking of police, I gotta compliment the Sergeants Union, which is the Sergeants Benevolent Association in New York City. Uh, they're giving, uh, offering a $500 reward 
to citizens who assist police trying to restrain suspects. You know, there was always a good Samaritan law, but now I don't think, maybe my retired lieutenant sitting in front of me was going to be on the air, so he might know. I don't know if there was a reward given out by anyone. I think just, just people of the goodness of their heart, organizations, probably did something. But, uh, again, uh, you got to be careful because there's, uh, we're not sure if you're protected. When I say protected, you know, if you're insured. Uh, I, I know my experience in law enforcement for five decades, uh, I've, a lot of civilians help law enforcement, help cops out in the street. And what do we have to just say thank you? What else can we do? If you want to give me a few bucks, uh, you, you, you know, you should, you know, if you are a cop and some, or you did something to try to get them acknowledged. But uh, I want to compliment Senator Marty Gold, Goldman, who, uh, Golden, sorry, Senator Marty Golden from uh, Brooklyn, who I know for many years. He, uh, he's got a, a bill in now for protection for, uh, you know, to add to the good Samaritan uh, law to protect people that want to, you know, help the police when they're trying to grab some, uh, I'm going to say scale because my father uses that word in his book, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or dirtbag, yeah, you know, that's our language, you know, so but we'll explain that in a moment, so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm i on Twitter, uh, I'm on Twitter uh, agreeing with my old friend Rudy Giuliani, and people know that I was his law enforcement liaison, and I was the chief of the sheriff's department when he was the mayor. And uh, his uh, initiative to clean up New York, I'm, I'm happy to say I was part of it. Of course, not the police department. They backed us up. Yes, it's the sheriff's department that closes up all these ex-smut joints. I gotta say joints. I'm with a former cop here on Times Square, and I was happy to be standing on the corner, Eighth Avenue, uh, 42nd Street, closing up these smut ex-ex-ex joints and all that stuff, and the uh, the stuff that we found there. Pedophilia, uh, paraphernalia, drug paraphernalia. I mean, uh, we used to call them French movies, all those movies, but you could see it on cable anyway today. But, but they were, uh, yeah, they were a nuisance to the city, and uh, really, truly, Annie pretty much cleaned up under his uh, initiative that he did. But guess what, folks? It's going to hell again by this May we have now. By the way, if I hope he doesn't hear me. And then again, I don't care, because I'm invited to City Hall Monday. I'm making a presentation to uh, the senator and assemblyman and the city councilman. Uh, they were instrumental in getting Brianna's law approved, which is very important for young kids, because a, a, a police officer in, the, in New York City, a police officer, couldn't help her. She went into a seizure, and... Uh, she had a, a seizure was was not like a normal people have a heart attack, and he, he couldn't help it because he wasn't trained for that. And I'm going back ten years when a uh, 11 year old girl uh, who uh, who died and the mother tried to get her to the hospital it was too late because the cop that responded uh, didn't have the knowledge to uh, to try to revive her or help her. But anyway, so Brianna's law is out there now. And my organization, the York Veteran Police Association, is going to present them with an award. And, uh, again, and guess what? I don't have their names in front of me, and I should. But I'll compliment them. I'll thank them uh, next week uh, when I come on the year. Again, it's Assemblyman, uh, Senator, 
And by the way, the Brooklyn Borough President, who was a senator at the time, uh, who helped get this law passed, and the mayor's going to be there, and, you know, uh, I'm very critical of him, and uh, in regard to what's going on there, when he came on, he came on, and uh, his platform was anti-cop, anti-police, you know, and he's... He got a little better because he had to, not because he wanted to. You know, we, I talked about the uh, uh, the stop and frisk, which we got to bring back, and that's why that's why in the Bronx and in Brooklyn, especially those two boroughs, young kids every weekend are getting shot. You know, uh, drive-by shootings. Uh, if you're in the if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you get shot. You know, and like uh, I don't want to be critical of, of a story that was brought to my attention. A guy comes, walks over to two cops in Brooklyn, and and he says, you know, I'm carrying a firearm. What are you going to do about it? Uh, was, oh, but he was very, he was a gentleman. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, officer. You know, I'm carrying a firearm. You know, I just want to let you know that. And, and then he reminded them, you know, there are cameras up on the light post. There's up on the store, and you're wearing, you're wearing a camera, so you can't search me, you know. And they were concerned because maybe the guy didn't have a gun. Right? Maybe he was doing that, so they would search him. You can't do that today. You know, my lieutenant, you know, can tell you about that. Obviously, I know about it. It's a different world today out there. So this is why I'm hoping that New York doesn't get like Chicago, where 2,000 kids in the last couple of years were shot in the street, and Ron Emanuel, right, Obama's uh, one of his top people, is the mayor. Like, nobody gets there. What the hell's going on? Yeah. No, I'm afraid that this might happen in New York City because the cops can't do their stop and frisk anymore, you know. And you were getting the, I can tell you this from experience. We got guns off the street just by searching people. You know, you don't do that indiscriminately. You know, you have to let cops know body language or, or someone tells them this guy carries a gun or they know the person from before from prior experience that he carries a gun. Can't do that today. So they're out there carrying guns. And, again, uh, I hope it doesn't, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't happen to New York. But I guess we're sort of uh, heading in that direction. You know, uh, Roger Stone was my guest, best-selling author and a close friend to uh, Donald Trump. The Mueller committee is going after him. You know, on the year, he, he sort of, uh, when I say, uh, by the way, he has a book called The Bush Crime Family. So he doesn't care who he goes after, and he explains why it's a crime family, you know. Uh, indirectly, he, he says, you know, similar to the Cosa Nostra, the mafia. If you buy his book, The Bush Crime Family, you can see it's handed down, you know. So, But we also know uh, Papa Joe Kennedy, way back, was not a kosher guy either. So, but... His book, he has uh, had a best-selling book, Clinton's War on Women, which exposes, you know, what uh, they're accusing Donald Trump of today. Nothing could be worse than what uh, Bill Clinton did in the White House with a young uh, intern, and yet he gets, uh, he, you know, I, I guess a pass. You know, nobody, nobody cares, but they want to go after Donald Trump because he had a girlfriend uh, or two girlfriends or three girlfriends, before he was married to a second or, or first wife. So uh, those are the things that uh, we're all talking about now. So they're going after him, and they, they're looking to try to uh, create 
some kind of collusion. Everybody now, uh, if you're close to Donald Trump, it's the Russian collusion. So, uh, and he's concerned because, you know, the Clintons, for some reason, if you got something on them, you disappear, right? I mean, all of a sudden, you're gone recently, and someone else, uh, a suicide in the hotel. It's amazing how they, so many of their close friends that uh, want to reveal some of their, their dealings with them, uh, they, the, they commit suicide, you know, or they accident or whatever the, whatever the heck it is. So they're going after uh, Roger Stone, who was talking about his, uh, his books on here. And obviously, uh, we know that uh, former Trump uh, attorney Michael Cohen was indicted for, you know, and uh, and uh, and she's Manafort, his first campaign manager. By the way, no Russian collusion in that. Nothing to do with Russian collusion, but they're trying to get in. And they're banging, they want to bang, uh, they're talking about Donald Trump and according to Cohen with uh, violation, violations, electric, um, election law violations. And that's a crime. By the way, it's not a crime. And uh, they're trying to say it's a crime and they, they want him impeached based on that. But do you know, folks, 2008. Eight. Guess who did that? Well, you, you probably know because I'm saying 2008. He utilized $2 million out of his election account. And he pleaded guilty. Yeah, he pleaded guilty. And he, was, he paid $375,000 in fines. Barack Hussein Obama. He did the same thing. Did you hear about it? Did they talk about impeachment? No. But they're doing that with Donald Trump. It's very similar. You know, how they're trying to tie that into uh, Russian collusion. It's a joke. You can't stop laughing. Everything he does, he goes to the bathroom. It's Russian uh, collusion, you know. And also, the agreements that Donald Trump made with these, these women, it's nothing. It's nothing usual. It's, it's a non-disclosure, uh, confidentiality agreement. It's not hush money. It's an agreement. Where did this hush money, you look into the law, there's no such... Where did you see a legal law? There's my lieutenant had it later on. Is there such a thing in, in the law, CPL or criminal procedure law, or in the, the, the federal law titled hush money? No. So they call it hush money. It's a joke. You make an agreement. They accept it. By the way, it's supposed to be confidential. How the, how the hell is it leaking out? These people who are disclosing it by law, they should be locked up, you know, because they're violating an agreement. Yeah, you know, it's it's a civil agreement, but you can still go to jail on, on civil violations. I should know. I was the chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department. I'm going to take a break. I had enough of this talk about it. Then I'm going to come back with my uh, with my guests. I'm going to take a little break now. Hang in there. Great guests. I'll be right back. daughter might be drinking or taking something else. We can't talk with her about it. She keeps everything secret. But when I pretend everything is okay, I'm keeping secrets too. My therapist suggested Alan on family groups. It was helpful to hear what other parents said. Are you troubled by someone's drinking? You might be surprised at what you could learn in an Alan on family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-ALANON or visit alanonfamilygroups.org. I am back with uh, retired New York City detective Stephen Capizzoli. Uh, 
detective who was a detective. lieutenant. Yeah. Don't say detective. Were I, you a detective lieutenant? No. Or you were I a wasn't. lieutenant. I was just a plain old lieutenant. A plain old a plain lieutenant. lieutenant. No, I just supervised detectives. Oh, okay. So yeah, you were like, detectives. Well, I knew you were somewhere connected with detectives. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> I... They knew what to do, and I didn't, so I just told them what to do, and they Absolutely. just do what they did. It runs itself, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you have a good administrator and manager, and yeah. you got the right people, you could sit up like you did on your desk, smoke a big cigar, have the TV. Right, I'm only kidding. H-O. But listen, who, uh, talking about the people with different names, uh, you have an AKA also known as Frankie Neptune and Stephen A. Murray, but uh, Stephen Capazzoli. By the way, you have a great book. I touched on it. A little bit the way the way it was. The way now, it was the yes. way it was. It was okay. That talks about it's a fiction book, book <laughs> or right. novel based on reality, right? Basically, it is. Yes, it's based on reality, but of course, there's some embellishment in it because of the arch of the story. And <clears throat> I found that when I would read uh, police, not novels, but even novels and books, what happens is there. Um, uh, they're just uh, uh, like self-aggrandizing accounts of I was a great cop and I did this, I did that. I had seven girlfriends uh-huh. at the same time. You read meanwhile, my book? Did you read my book? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, I just I just have a wife who used to say to me, you know, when I would come home, you're having too much fun at work oh. being a cop because I used to have fun at work. I love going to work, and except mm. for when I was in internal affairs, which was kind of, uh, but. Uh, when I was in uh, legal bureau, community affairs, on patrol, and in uh, Brooklyn North Narcotics, I had a great time going to work. But, but i got to say this, because we have a lot of cops listening. Sure. When you say internal affairs, I want them to think a different image of you. Because oh, you're okay. a regular guy, right. and career path, you have to go. Am I correct? Well, what happened Pretty much. was, yes, what happened was um, I tried to sneak out of the legal bureau and get into the uh, narcotics division, and they had a thing called IO39, Inner Mortar 39, for the uh, selection board, you had to go to this review board, and I went to the review board, and I had—I uh, was warned—you have a an 80% chance of getting hijacked into internal affairs. And I said, I'll take the chance. I figured, why would they want me? I was—I mm. was a a regular at the, at the civilian complaint review board, so uh, I guess they wanted me. So I came in one day, and the lieutenant said, "You're when I was a sergeant." Uh, your your transfer. I said, what? He said, you're going to internal affairs. And as a going away gift, my ex-partner came to my house and gave me a, a pound of Swiss cheese. So, okay. uh, for the rat squad. The oh, I meant that's what I meant. So, yeah, the rat yeah. squad. So, oh boy. Uh, as as I look back in it, it made a lot of sense. I didn't I didn't want to do it. It was a dirty. It was not a pleasant thing to do. But uh, Commissioner Kelly, I have to give him. Uh, well, whoever thought it, I, it was under Commissioner Kelly right. at IO39 because internal affairs was run by what we used to call true believers, mm. and they always thought the cops were guilty. And basically, if you couldn't go anywhere and you wanted to be a detective, you went to internal affairs, and mm. supervisors who didn't want to get off the street, they went to internal affairs. And when the Dirty 30 mm. scandal hit, um, Commissioner Kelly decided we've had enough. He transferred them all out, and he replaced them with people uh, high uh, high quality people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I'm a high quality person, but most of the people came in. Um, they did, and the promise was you do your two years, and then you can go to the detective squad or the mm-hmm. um, on the Cox division. And uh, so I did my two years, but then in the interim, while I was doing my two years, I was promoted to lieutenant. So I had to, 
I want to leave. And they said, well, if you leave in three months, when you go to the supervisor's review board, we're going to take you back here because you have experience in internal investigations. Mm. So I, they said, could you, you should stay. So I stayed. And uh, I had some very important cases, which, you know, you don't really hear about in the news. Right. Uh, a couple of pedophiles, um, some Ped- burglars. Pedophile, with all pedophile cops. Pedophile cops, yeah. pedophile burglars. Uh, um, um, yeah, uh, a few other uh, yeah. crimes. Uh, two uh, young cops who thought they could get away with uh, stealing drugs and guns from drug dealers in the 7 5, mm. and then turning around and, and uh, selling them back to other people. And uh, what I really found interesting is that in the 7 5, when we locked them up, the cops in the 7 5 found out what they were doing and they took their lockers and smashed them from being uh, like oh. three feet wide to like six inches wide, right. and they, they appreciated what we did, which was good because these cops were selling guns back to different drug dealers in the 7-5. Right. Those guns could have been used on other 7-5 cops, let alone really. other cops in, right. in, in the city. So they appreciated it. And then when I got out and I went as a lieutenant to narcotics, um, I was received very well. And, and because by then everyone knew that the supervisors d- did what they had to do. Correct. And... Uh, Things so Commissioner Kelly did a good job with that rotating people, but of course I was one of the unfortunate ones that got into the rotation. Some guys beat it, because you know I always thought the hook was dead. But or rabbi, never, right, my rabbi wasn't as that's term. That's yeah, a, that's a term. That that's a term the meaning yeah, you know somebody right, and you, you, you want to go to the detective squad, and uh, wow. you have to go through the supervisor review board. Uh, all of a sudden they go, oh yeah, you should go to the detective squad because your friend who's a chief says. Sure. You know, I want them to go there. So, well, but I didn't know anyone. So, but it worked out okay for me. I'm not bitter about it, it at it, all. It did. Anyway, Steve and uh, Capazola, I got to thank you. First, you were in Vietnam, and I want to thank you for your service to this country, Steve. You know. So, no. aside from the work you did in the police department, we just can't forget it and what you did. Tough war because you got dissed. You got disrespected when you came home, and that you know. So, uh, but anyway, but that I got was to, Frankie Neptune. Okay, that was Frankie Neptune. Okay, right. now we're going to ask you now. Uh, I got to tell you, folks. But you know, listen. Some people think, well, of course, you're a copy. You know, uh, you you're a certain. You have an image of you. He right. was a punk rocker. I mean, well, well I, I wasn't. Got, a, well, <laughs> you were involved with the punk rocks. You went right. to you them. You were a swinger in the punk world. You were that, and you were, that, you were an artist. When I say, but yeah, that was your thing. At, uh, before you got into the, although you were a very talented, master's degree and everything, everything else. Frankie Neptune is who? Frankie Neptune is a. That's why I was telling you before. It's right. a, comp, a compilation <laughs> of a whole bunch of people I used to know. Right. And but I, I've, uh, Frankie Neptune, uh, I took on the. Uh, well, I wrote the book as Stephen A. Murray because I didn't want to put my name on just for the hell of it. I just thought I'd do things like that. Where, but where did that come from? Oh well, Stephen is my name. A is from right. my daughter Allison and my wife's middle name is Allison and Murray was my favorite uncle my uncle Murray oh very good so I took that name and then Frankie Neptune came from I was thinking of a name and I grew up in Coney Island so Neptune Avenue I worked there yeah I I know that yeah and and, and, uh, you're probably chasing me from doing something whatever I I don't know (laughs) when I would try to get into Seagate you would probably switch whatever okay (laughs) and and, uh, Frankie Neptune the name just sounded good and um, Frankie Neptune is a character. So I met cops who were soldiers, and I met cops who would do d- different things, and I put them all together for Frankie Neptune. So I decided to be Frankie Neptune for a while and live that or uh, that, mm. that persona. 
on on the internet and on my website. And then now I'm doing more things with art and photography. And I decided to go back to Stephen Capazzoli. So Frankie Neptune is really not me, though I'd like to be like him. Right. Uh, I'm really not like Frankie Neptune. Uh, the difference between Frank, like, and we were talking before, and I have to say this, is that, you know, I came in and I said, oh, my book is different. Right. And you said, well, everyone comes in and says their police book no, is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, but I do say it is different because, yeah. you know, of, uh, I, I just want to let the folks know He's, he, he talks about uh, alienation, what the hell, and redemption, acceptance. And right. by the way, one thing that a lot of the cops didn't have in these books, right, is the ethnic humor that we had. You know, my time, and then you picked it up when you came along. Right. And today you'd be in trouble, be politically incorrect. Right. Politically correct. You, you know, what we did in our time. I, I, you know, today it's called racist, and it's called, uh, it's not politically correct. Well, but we did it in our, as a cop. Anyway, so you got that in the book, which is different. I have to give you that, by the way. Well, the reason why it's in there is because, like I said, how my approach to the book was, I started writing short stories, and they were published on the Internet, and it goes nowhere. Mm. And uh, also, they said, you have to edit it down to 2,000 words, and and people would read it and say, it just stops. And, and I had oh. to get all this so I decided to write a novel, and I have to give a shout-out, as they say, to J.D. Plummer, who mm. is my plumber, but that's his, that's his, uh, his uh, really? alter ego name, <laughs> and he got me uh, help. He got help for me in, in publishing the book. And uh, it's like, you know, everyone always says, sociologists, that the police department is a microcosm of society. Mm. And we talk, I, I was wondering uh, how cops are, I know how cops are perceived by society, and... Um, it all does with the, uh, it, it all happens with language, the way people use words. So I thought about that, and I remember reading a book by S.I. Hayakawa called Language and Thought and Action, and it's about the role of language in human, in human life and the many functions of language and how language, sometimes without people knowing, shapes their thinking of the relationship between language and racial and religious prejudice, which is what mm. we were talking before. Right. You know, and, you know, people don't usually mean what they say, and nowadays, they use, uh, they've taken it to the highest level of using uh, Nixonian and Clintonian semantics, whereas Richard Nixon would say something. Right. You're going to have to explain that to our cops. Oh, okay, the cops, yeah. You know, okay. Would... <laughs> what happens is Nixon, Nixon would say, like, something, and then the next day uh, it, was, it, was, it was found to be false, and he would send his press secretary out, and he'd mm. say, they'd say, well, what about that statement? And the press secretary would say, well, that statement is... Um, uh, no longer operative. Oh, That's good. a nice way of saying it's a lie. Yes. So, and Clinton, of course, remember his famous. It depends what your. How you interpret it. It depends what your definition of is is. Right. You know. So what happens yeah. is Clinton, Nixon, and most politicians and people in general, you know, parse words, and that's what happens nowadays. People parse words, and yeah. I don't do that. So. Um, but, but here's the difference. Some people, uh, if you and I would do it. It would be a different... Uh, oh, yeah. We'd be in trouble. Oh, yeah. But if they do, I, they would I get use... in trouble with my wife and my daughter all the time. Yeah, so you see... Because I never change. There's certain people that can do things. The ones that usually are throwing stones, they feel they're allowed to do these things. Yeah. You know? But, that's uh, true. And that's, that's, that's a good example of what's happened to Donald Trump today. Right. You know, it's just a... You know, he's the best example, but these Well, people, he says one you know, thing, and then they, they say he's, he meant another thing. And, yeah. he, you know, he says he says... 
fake news is the enemy of the people. They go, oh, the media is the enemy. Or the new, well, the media is yeah. the enemy. He didn't say all the media. But then he goes out, shoots his foot. He goes, well, uh, 80%. He should just let them, you know. I mean, he yeah. should just let them keep on thinking what, yes. uh, you know. But um, you know, there's a specific chapter in that S.I. Harakawa book called the NTI, and it's it's uh, the content, form, and hidden messages that are in television, from situation comedies to news coverage, to political advertising, shapes mm. the way people think of things. And because people have such a, sh I should say, short attention span. The way things are, you know. Well, but they do. A lot of people do. Yeah, but, true, people, but stuff comes at you like one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah, so you hear, exactly. they know that if you say, he's a crook, uh, you know, well, what do you mean he's a crook? You know, you, you, people don't have time to, uh, you know, they're, they're in a little bubble. They, uh, people watch Fox News. They watch Fox News. People should watch, people, excuse me, people watch MSNBC. They watch MSNBC. People watch CNN. Right. And what happens is, unfortunately, I watch all three so I could, I could pick out, like, you know, right. Fox is, you know, and, uh, is, 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 it has their faults. MSNBC is way over the line. CNN is way over the line. But some of the stuff they say is, is, is factual. But, you know, I watch, but if you don't watch, if you just watch Fox, you're not going to know what the other people are thinking. And as you know, as a cop, you always want to know what someone's thinking. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that's why, I, that's why I watch it, because I, I want to see right. what their interpretation of, uh, to that what Fox is saying or vice versa. Well, you know, right. their dimensions of meaning uh, cross lines, and, and it's, it's like anything that affects the relative normality of grammatic expressions, mm -hmm. they'll take for, for they'll, they know what they're doing, they'll take it, and they'll say things, and what happens is they used to do that, but now it's blatant where they go, you know, he's, he, he's a... He's a Nazi, racist, homophobic, so and so. Whereas in the old days, they would oh, they God. would allude to it. Right now, they now it, the, the the discourse has gone to a new level, and they can get away oh, with it for some oh, reason. They can well, get away with it. They get away with it because they're the gatekeepers. As uh, it's an very, old expression, very good. The gatekeepers of media, and if no one no uh, you know no one calls them out, and now they have these things with these bots where they could make ten thousand tweets mm. that are phony. And get someone thrown off the air, or, or like a Sean, ha uh, the person who found out about that. I don't know if you know this, is they tried to do that with Rush Limbaugh. He spent a lot of money and exposed the people. There were like 20 people right. that were trying to get him thrown off the air with all this Facebook and internet stuff and tweets and, and all this stuff. And he proved that they have these bots, which are called uh, like robots. I guess that's what they call them. Right. But they're, 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 they're um, fictitious. fictitious people, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm against uh, uh, this guy because he said so-and-so, and, -so. and it goes out. And, of course, the corporations now have no spine, and they go, oh, we're going mm. oh, to drop, we're going to, you know, everything revolves around money. So it's like they choose the right words, and it's like someone like Frank Luntz, who's a very famous po uh, is a pollster, um, he worked for the Republicans, and he had a book called Words at Work, and he said it was very, it, and it's on the, the subtitle of his book, it's not what you say, it's what people hear. Mm. And that's what it is. Meaning is in people and not in words. So what happens, this goes back to my, my thing where if you say something, people jump on it, and they immediately think they know what you mean. And they don't research it. Right, and they, pull, yeah. they pause your words. Why do you think that's happening, God? Steve Capistola, why do you think now people just listen to words 
years ago, you'd have to check it out, you know, as a cop, detective, whatever, you know. Right. You would, you would find out if that's factual. Now they just run with it, you know. Because of the 24-hour news cycle? Yeah. Because there's an, there's this appetite for new, for stuff and people. Mm. Now they don't wait until the six, back in the old days. You have to wait. wait until the seven o'clock news with Humphrey right. Brinkley or, or John Chancellor or Very Walter good. Cronkite and you'd find out what's going on. Now, that's why they have the Friday night media dump. Wow. When they when they want something oh. they want no one to know about, they dump it on Friday night yep. because they know people are out and they're not going to do anything and they're going to wait until, and by yes. the time the Sunday shows roll around, it'll, you know, but now wow. they, 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 they have people, and of course, you know, the technology's there for the, amazing. um, it's amazing. for the, uh, the feeds from, uh, from anywhere, you get someone there. He has a cell phone, an iPhone. Oh. He could broadcast. I get. I didn't think I'd get all the stuff on Twitter. You know, I use Twitter, and I say, "Wow, I get." I'm sometimes I get things before I see it on the on the news, yeah. like you said. Uh-huh. You know, Steve. Well, everyone has. My my nephew is a reporter for Newsday, and uh-huh. he's on Twitter all the time. And he and, and and part of his job probably is to get out there first with yeah. the stuff on Twitter. And he, he's a very smart guy, and and he knows what's going on. And uh, he, you know, I, I look to him sometimes, like. Send him an email and say, well, what do you think about this? And he comes back. Of course, we disagree about a lot of stuff. Of course, he's with Newsday. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he, you know he, yeah. my sister, his mother, my sister right. is like that, too, and so is uh, her husband. But, you know, I don't hold that. I don't really care. Like, I always, like, if you watch that old video of me from 1979. Which I did. Uh, you know, that's, why, that's why I said you were a punker. That's why I said that. That guy, it's like, yeah. you know, I, I knew he was going to get down on liberals. So he said, yeah, the liberals, right? Ah, liberals, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, I don't really dislike... I have good friends who are... My friend in Florida is a super liberal, and we go oh, back and forth. Me. I don't yeah. dislike anyone because of what they think. And I know this other... This this woman I, I knew from those days. Uh, we go on Facebook. We go back and forth. It's it's all it's all in good nature, but when people take it too seriously, that's when it goes too well, far. A lot of, it's breaking up a lot of families, which we've right. heard of, and, oh, yeah. well, losing, we losing friends because of yes. the... Uh, it's, ne- it's never been like this before, that uh, we've never had a, 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 a president, let's say, uh, where there's been so much dialogue and controversy, yeah. and people within the families are arguing and disagreeing with each other, and, but he's, and it's amazing. I mean, so, he's the thing is, he's not a politician. He's like me. He has no filter. And he gets in trouble. But the problem is he's a president. He really should have a filter. Yes. So. You know, but i got to talk about you also on some other things. Yeah. You, you know, you sound rough and, and, and gruff, like, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, like. I'm a, not really like that. Like, a, you know, like I'm like we talked fan. about before, an Italian the truck driver from Brooklyn to Staten, <laughs> well, from Staten Island. Right. But you are an adjuant professor. Let's not leave that out. Well, I was. You know? yeah, well, 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 I mean, it's still, still in your resume. Yeah. So, uh, I yeah. mean, yes. So, uh, I, and, yeah, I worked as, uh, after I left the police department, I was uh, a director of security for a not-for-profit organization, and I worked part-time as an adjunct uh, professor for a small college on Long Island teaching liberal arts and police science. You can give them a plug if you want. The, the, they're out the of college. business now. Oh, they're out of business. Oh, so we can't yeah. this guy. Uh, okay. I, uh, what's going to happen is I probably, I probably put them out of business. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. But, you know, so you got, you got a pretty good uh, uh, resume, you know, but but you uh, from what you told me, and, and which I, I you know that you uh, as as a uh, how can I say this? You just just took the police test, and you know, it wasn't really what you most guys. Oh, I want to be a cop. I'm preparing yeah. for this. You just took it for the hell of it. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Well, what happened was back in the old days. <clears throat> well, back then, I uh, the old days, I worked for a, a college, 
and I was an assistant professor. Uh, I used to do the autopsy videotapes. I was a medical that kind of stuff, medical photography and things. And you know, I came home smelling like the morgue or smelling like the mm. dark room. And you know, uh, I had to go back to graduate uh, to get a PhD, and I just said, you know, I don't want to do that. So I took the cop test. I got 99 or 100, I forget. And they called me, and. Uh, I went, I went for it, and I was going to do it for two years just for the hell of it because I did get a leave of absence from downstate. And uh, I liked it so much I stayed. But uh, that's, what, that's what's about the book. What, what I'm talking right. about the book is yes, talk about some, some uh, you know, like how white's different because of my background. A lot of cops are not like me. They like, you know, they, they start they are, out. They are Italian truck drivers. They're not yeah, like right, you. Right, They're right, not right. Well, well, professors. I never, I, I never <laughs> drove a truck, but you know, right. I don't think they trust me with a truck. Anyway, because I'm uh, anyway, um, you know they come on the job at age 21. They were mm. cutting in the fruit, cutting watermelons in King Cullen, you know. Oh. And uh, this is the next job. They throw the oh, it's a guy from Long Island. They throw him into a police department, and he's right. like, huh? And what happens is a lot of these books, these are the characters that cut. They, these guys come in, either they were, uh, you know, and they, and they and they grow into the job, and then they become, us, us. Uh, they have a self awareness of. How to deal with people, yeah. and they either or in the books, or they feel sorry, or they do things to help people, or you know they don't. Some of them are uh, family mafia connected, you know, right, and they get yes. to the police department, yeah. or they're from a family. Cops know what to accept, or what to expect. Uh, I have no cops in my family. The last cop in my family was my uncle Ralphie. He retired when I was ten years old, 1960, mm. and he I didn't even know he was a cop until right. you know I got a little older. So um. And like you have these fictional cops, like these two out of towner cops on, uh, um, on um, what that Law and Order, you know oh. Dennis Farina and Richard Belcher. You know yeah. that some guy is not going to transfer from from Chicago and become a first grade detective right. in the homicide. Right. And Richard Belzer, they're not going to pick up some guy because his show is canceled in Baltimore. Right. <laughs> so, um, Mark, Frankie's background is based on the fact that he grew up in New York City, went to Queens College, he drove a taxi while in college. And he knew the streets from driving a taxi. Right. Uh, and, you know, he dabbled in photography, video, and conceptual art. And he was involved, and like I was, in the, in the periphery of the Soho art and music scene before it was popular. And that's why I wasn't a punk rocker. What happened was I knew a guy who was an artist, who, who was a teacher, who did video. And I went with him and videotaped at CBGB's The Mud Club, Max's Kansas City. Huh. And uh, we talked to these people. And... I got to know them, and, and it was interesting, you know. So I got a different background with that. And then I decided to go to graduate school because uh, this is before I went to da I worked at Downstate. I got the master's degree in Indiana. My wife and I went out there. We uh, we worked in Chicago. We did Miss oh. New York. We came back. And um, that's all of part of Frankie's story. And uh, he became a cop. Uh, and, you know, it's because cops have a lower level, like Frankie, of abstraction. A higher level of, of abstraction means that you don't notice things, but a cop notices, like you said, who has a gun. You could tell, a guy's tell if he was a gambler. The same thing with a cop has, right. think about a tell. And I had that before I was a cop because I drove the taxi. Yeah. I knew, I looked at this guy, I'm not going to pick up this guy, he's going to rob me. Yeah, or very good. I, I would just drive around and, of course, you know, working when they used to have those clubs, those after-hour uh, gay clubs on the, the West Side Highway, right? And and the Stonewall thing was going on, so I was exposed to all that stuff, and I knew the city. So I'm not like some kid from Long Island, and I was older, 
Right. And so when Frankie was the same way, he came to the job late at 29 years old, and he, you know, he decides that he's going to make, you know, how that was an expression, you make a job work for you. Yeah. He was going to make the job work for him. Right. But in a different way than these cops, I'm going to make the job work for me because I'm going to get into, uh, into this detail and then I'm going to be able to be a plumber on the side or I'm going to do right. this or, Which, I'm uh, not, yeah, sure. Yeah, a lot of guys do that or right. they, or they, they decide that, um, you know, they're, they're going to, right. I'm going to get to the this. Police department becomes their second job. Exactly, exactly. With, yeah. with Frankie, it, it doesn't become a second job. It becomes, it's like he, in the book, he says, all the world, all the world's a stage and all the scales mm. are really the players, which is from, you know, <laughs> Shakespeare. And Very he does good. stuff in the book that I don't want to say me and, me and Jimmy. I'm so like, uh, Jimmy and I used to do that. <laughs> but I would say that it's pretty close. Like people that read the book that know me go, I can't believe you put that in the book. I said, well, I didn't do that. Frankie Neptune did that. Very good. You know, and yeah. I went, well, I remember. I said, well, you know, Bobby, that's, you mm. remember, you don't remember that well. And so all this other stuff about, like, Frankie, you know, brings all this stuff together. And in the book, uh, it shows about, like, the, it's, you know, once people get past the first, like, third of the book where it's funny and it's about a guy who writes poems about flatulence. And which is true, I knew a guy like that, uh, a scale in the park. It's about this, uh, Terry's, Terry is a transvestite prostitute. It's about his or her odyssey and how they, mm. they, they how he came from a, a town in, in, in the Midwest where he came from a macho Hispanic family. And even though he was a Marine in Vietnam and got the Silver mm. Star and the Purple Heart, mm. they wouldn't accept him. And, is a, and, and, and it's how he came to New York looking because you know, he was lonely, uh-huh. looking for people like him, and how he uh, he was rejected, and but he was, you know, alone in the world, and he, he was became a victim, but he didn't want to be a victim, and he was abused, and like a, a uh-huh. domestic abuse thing, and how he rose above all of it, and how the stories intertwine with Frankie and another one of the, because um, we used to, uh, I don't, can I say the word shit on the air? Well, you're too late. Well, you already said it, but Brian might have knocked well, it out. Sorry. But, uh, well, you, yes. I figured it was once. Right, so. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. Just, uh, yeah, I'll put it in there. The yeah, I'm going to say why, why, you, why you're putting the mic back together. Yeah. That you, uh, Okay. But we're talking about a particular area, Gramercy Park area of Manhattan, right? 13th right? Precinct. Six Precinct. So the people, yeah. And by the way, you mentioned Stonewall, Richard Orenstein, who's on my show a lot. Right. Uh, he was a cop. Yeah, well, yes, was my my organization, my uh, vice president, uh, first vice president. Uh, he was there during the Stonewall. That's what I figured. Yeah, right. Well, oh, you old guys. Yeah, right. yeah. So he was he was down there, and uh, but you know something, he you know it wasn't uh, the way he talks about it. It's like you, like you're putting in your book, which right. lacks, which a lot of cop books lack the humor of it. Right. You know. Right. And uh, well, th- that's a different flavor. I have to I have to yeah admit that. So you gotta so the way things were. With with flavor, with sense of humor, not all uh, you know, dead, not all dead people not, and bravado like and hero stuff. Like, like I like I said to you on the phone, I said, yeah, you know, uh, Jimmy and I said you were a real cop, oh, Lou. I mean, you used to like go around, run around. We, we, we used to like handle like in the thirteenth precinct. It wasn't really that bad, but we had some some adventures. But and yeah. in the ninth precinct too, it was getting getting better when I went down there on the Lower East Side. But uh, in the getting back to the book, I'm sorry. It's an I, I don't right. like I don't like talking about 
Well, that's why you got. That's why you call Frankie Neptune when yeah, I exactly. talk about you. Uh, okay, so but uh, but by the way, every cop has uh, ventures, you know, and yeah. so why guys, you know, but you are. Well, you, you're minimizing the credit that you probably deserve looking through your book, you know, and that, you know, that's that's a good sign, you know, because I do get guys come on, I did this, I did that, and I did that, and you know, the whole, the, you know, the whole Megilla, as as yeah. they say, and uh, but like Richie Ornstein, who, who I mentioned before, right. who was at Stonewall, he says every cop has a story, which is true, right? But you putting your story on book, and it is different. You know, it, uh, well, you know, like I said before, what happens is the, you know, and I don't know if there are any comic books where the um, the sympathetic character is a is a transvestite who gets so. murdered. You know, I don't I don't know. Transvestites get murdered, but I don't think. It's yeah, I know. Well, that's what in the, book, in the book it says. Uh, well, I'm giving away, but I don't really. Care. Okay, it, it, says, it says, you know, when when, the, when they actually arrest the person they think who did it, right. uh, the guy got they do it. They want to do a perp walk, which is when they go out for the media and walk him down the thing. Mm -hmm. And there was no one there. And it's Frankie says, you know, uh, who cares about a murder transvestite? Uh, and there were, there were, you know, and, and it's like, you know, he says, like, someone has to care for these people right. because, you know, they're victimized and they were victimized. Correct. And she, this person, became like a mentor to other people yeah. like her, though she was doing an illegal thing. But, you know, what else What else could she do? And, and she was abused, and she, mm. you know, and, I, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for, for us to say, oh, you shouldn't do that. But it's difficult for a person who, who's who been through what Terry's been through to, to say, I'm and, going and to. Yeah, and, you, you know, a good cop has some compassion for them. Right, right. You know, and, and, you, and you have to, you know, like... Uh, we heard this before. I figured it was a friggin' drug dealer anyway. You know, or oh, this guy's a uh, purse snatch or some kid. You know, you you do hear that. And, but the job does that to a lot of clubs. Right. Cops, well, you know. th that's true. But what happens is, you know, I mean, I'm not one of these people that go every every purpose or every scale is a, is a, is scale. a great person. And scale is a scale. A scale, scale, scale. But, <laughs> right. but what happens no, is, like, I actually knew this guy, like I said, who wrote the poems. He was a nice guy. Yeah. And he wrote these poems, and he wrote a poem for Frankie. I mean, wow. in the book, he writes the book. Wow. And Frankie's like, you know, and it's, 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 it's you know, what are you going to do? I don't want your poem. It's, oh. you know, it, and it's, it's just yeah, that you meet all these nice people, and some of them are not that nice. But, yep. you know, um, in the book, when if they read, if people buy the book or read the book, whatever, whatever, you know, it's on, on Amazon. You can get it in a, a book form or an e-book. Right. You know, and it's, um, it's you know, I'm not going to make any money on this because it, what, I, what I spent on this book, I don't care well, about you, know, you don't know. You don't know going to turn into it. It could even money. turn into a little... In fact, we touched on it. Oh, yeah, right. There's well, an interest maybe for true. some television. I forgot there, right? about that. There's, a, how can you, there's okay. an interest maybe do a little uh, TV yeah, what series. Happened was, what right. happened was... What happened was... And this is how things go in circles. Right. I have a friend who I knew from junior high school in Coney Island named Louis Kolick. He actually went out to California. I didn't know this. He became a screenwriter. Oh. He's written... Movies like Unlawful Entry, Judgment Night, Bulletproof, Ghost of Mississippi, October Sky, Domestic Disturbance, Beyond the Sea, Ladder 49, and Charlie St. Cloud. He has credentials. He's a, he's a real writer, not like me. So he goes back a while. Cause some oh, of yeah. Them, some of them were years he ago. Also, some yeah. of these, yeah. and he, he, uh, go, well, his movies go back to 1992. Before that, but, he wrote for uh, sitcoms like A Three's Company. Wow. Well. So uh, I sent him my I saw him on Facebook. Sent him my book, and uh, yeah. he gets back to me. Hey, this is a really good book. I'm thinking of doing a cop show. 
So right now he's busy doing some other stuff. I've sent him a script and uh, some outlines, and he's mentoring me. He's giving me advice on how to punch it up. And uh, it's going to be nothing like the book, but it's the Frankie Neptune character, and hopefully he's going to try and pitch it as a cable TV series. I'm not keeping, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I don't. Hold on, any well, you know what's different about your book? Usually, when they do stories and stuff, uh, you mention some of the cop things that are out there. You know, it's usually, uh, it's, uh, let's say, uh, the Bronx or, or, or Brooklyn, and uh, sort of a. I, I don't want to worry. It's it's an area that's the poor. Let's put it that way. Right. But you're talking about Gramercy Park area, which I, it's like middle class, isn't and, it? And also, and the book. Up, the, uh, yeah. Well, the the. the, the the story is going to be well. If, if the screenplay comes out, is that right. they're going to reinstitute the cabaret squad? Oh. But and the difference is, is that uh, the and mayor at the time, who we know was Koch, right? Um, we don't, I don't mention his name in the book in the screenplay. What's going to happen is right. he decides that he doesn't want people being victimized anymore, like these new punk rock people. Correct. Yeah. The way people come to the city. Right. And he has this trusted lieutenant who knows him from the old days. Oh. And. He says to him, put together. Did you know him from the old days? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, no, no. no. As a matter of fact, he doesn't know I know him, but I did. He used to visit someone in my building. I lived in Chelsea. Uh, And he knew I was a cop because the doorman said, because Koch was a pretty streetwise guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I would see him and just nod to him. And uh, the doorman, uh, Harry, I forget his name, Charlie, said to me, you know, uh, Mayor Koch asked me if you were a cop. I said, oh, man, does it show that bad? He says, well, I, I guess, you know. But anyway, yeah. um, the cabaret squad comes into existence, and uh, they they deal with the uh, the whole downtown scene, autistic scene. Right. Of course, remember, people couldn't live in the lofts until, like, 1980. It was against That's the right. Office. And then they start renting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. So right. so so it was. Became the thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Soho, uh, Soho is uh, a big uh, Soho was the Lower East Side. It became Soho. Right. Soho yeah. you know, was that. East Village Sullivan's, was the Lower East Side. You know, right. the lo- uh, Sullivan yeah, Street was a big Italian-Irish area yep. over there, and yeah. that, that's where um, Moses wanted to ram ram through the uh, yeah, Robert, across, Mo- Robert, Robert Moses, Moses yeah. across um, Canal. Uh, I think it was across House and Street Ex- Expressway, Canal Street, mm. and that was the first time those people got together, and they. They challenged, they challenged Moses. They challenged and they the won. big guy. The and big they won. guy. And they won. You never, you couldn't beat him. We we got to give him credit. All the things he built. Yeah, no. Jones Beach. I mean, come on. He's yeah. like that, right? Robert Moses uh, Park out there. Mr. I read, I read that book about him. Well, it's great. Genius. Uh, he was a genius. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But he was. Uh, you know, I could tell you. I just a quick story. Maybe yeah, thirty. Sure. I, don't, I don't want to take up too much That's time. That's okay. I, I had, no, no. I don't want to lose your time. I had a little debate with him, and, and he and he came on. And he thanked me. I was nineteen years old. And he was the commissioner of the Parks Department. Really? And I was working in Parks, 19 years old. And he perceived park guys as with a bottle of wine and stuff like that. And then when he spoke to me, he says, wow, this is the dope breed to compliment you. But anyway, I don't want to get it. That's, That's cool. I like, the, I like your that stuff. Your book, your book is on Amazon. It's the, yes. word, the way it, NYPD, the way it was. The way it was. It's and, f- uh, if, you, if you go to Amazon and you just punch in NYPD, the way, it goes right, right to the book. And it's uh, Amazon discounted it, and it's uh, uh, so that's good. It's like I think yeah, but now, when you, the way it was, in, in, in other words, it's it's different today and it's changed today. So you're going to go right. back. You're going to reflect backwards 
right, to the time. So was that a better time? I have to, for the audience who are listening, do you think that was a better time the way it was? I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, people, you know, the, well, they're getting a taste of it now with the people lying on the street That's what I'm sleeping saying. in the, the syringes. And if they like that, because right. a lot of people, you know, oh, I remember. It's like, it's like there's a million people who said they went to Woodstock. And they I know did. that. I know. Now, now there's, uh, there's a, probably a million people who say, oh, I used to go to Natchez, Kansas City and watch all this punk rock group. They didn't. But I'm on videotape talking to one of the you are seminal. Let's talk about that. People can see that. How can they find that? It's 1979. You're interviewing the oh, it's, uh, you go to um, You go to inter, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Schinkel, T-S-C-H-I-N-K-E-L, wow. InnerTube, or InnerTube, Stiv Bader's video, or InnerTube, Frankie Neptune. Uh, interview, maybe it pops right. up. Well, if, well, are they punching your name? Will it come up? Will they Google your name? I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I don't. I don't, I don't. Would, okay, so I'm not like, really good at that Google. Yeah, stuff. but you know, it looked like you. you by the way, you were doing a great job. You doing a, I'm surprised why you became a cop. But I thought you might come back and do similar stuff that I'm not, you know, like what I'm doing, interviewing people, radio or some shtick like that. Well, that would be good. But you yeah. know, what would really be good. I hate. I, I, I tell you. Yeah, Nicky Pascarello. Well, he was my guest a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. He, he, also he worked for me as a cop yeah. uh, in the legal bureau, and yeah. uh, he really knows a lot of people. He does. He's very intelligent, and he's he's a very nice guy. Right. Nicky's a good guy. Well, you're a good guy, too. I mean, oh, look, you. I have to tell you about Listen, you, your whole career, you started in... You, you, you took it... 1982. You just quickly took a test, and you, be, and you made it a career, and then you have a book, and maybe a potential... Television series, and, and also we're having a. Uh, oh wow, it's really close. Um, uh, if you go to Real Frankie Neptune on Facebook, very good. Okay, what you'll see is on October sixth, we're having a uh, pop up pop up art exhibit exhibition mm. in South in Southold, and uh, Suffolk County, Suffolk Parks. County, all the way out there, and it's on um, Columbus Day weekend. It's uh, painting, photography, video. And writing Would you believe this, Philip Police Lieutenant? My guest, retired Lieutenant uh, Steve Capazzoli, Frankie Neptune, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Murray. Thank well, you, guys. Well, I'm going to retire, Stephen Murray. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with the upcoming, hopefully. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, well, I'm glad to do that. My pleasure. Lou Talano, and I'll catch you later. been listening to Streetwise on the station that serves your community, WGBB AM 1240 and W240DF-FM 95.9. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.